Savant Embroidery. Gabe is the owner and all-around fantastic human. Savant's goal is to create quality products for big and small businesses to look great without breaking the bank. Here we have my mug. From masks to keychains, logos, anything you can dream up, Gabe can create embroidery or use his heat press to get you looking great. We have a link to his Etsy shop. I've had all my embroidery and heat press items done with Savant, 100% great quality items. If you're looking for group coaching, one-on-one NLP coaching, or you want to have a super fun speaker join your conference, head over to my website, momof18.com, and get in touch with me. You can sign up for a 30-minute free strategy call to determine if we're a great fit. There's also a lot of free information on my website, a free quiz on my landing page designed to reinvent, rediscover, or remember what gives you purpose, passion, and drive, a comprehensive how to start a podcast PDF on my podcast page, and a free PDF copy of my book, Hello, My Name is Warrior Princess, on my book page. So check out momof18.com. Today, I am really excited. I have with me Bon Collins. Hello. How are you today? <laughs> I have got them here. <laughs> I am good. Thank Yay, you. Yay, with watermelons, watermelons intact. They were. <laughs> we can't keep that going for a long time. Oh, and you no. have, you have an, uh, an accent, clearly. So I do. <laughs> you, where are you? I am over in England. I'm right on the east coast of England, over in the UK. And where, what time is it? It is about eight o'clock at night. Oh, so, not yeah. too horrible, awful. No, no, not horrible no, at all. No, I mean, not, you know, not that we can do a whole lot about it, but that's not too terrible. No, it's not. So I, I am really excited to be talking to you. Um, and we are also doing watch on our um Yeah, I'm now trying to figure out. How to, so yeah. I'm trying to figure it out too. <laughs> we're, we're live, but we haven't figured it all out yet. No, no. That's I'm, okay. I'm looking for it. We, we'll keep looking on the live for NGBN TV, who is sponsoring this little watch party, and we'll figure it out. Um, now, we met that. through a social media link called Podbooker, which is really fun way. And I, we, and we got to talk for the first time this morning, right before we got on live. Um, I am on your website. And interesting, interesting name, Bon, B-O-N, which I yep. didn't have any trouble with. I did mess up your last name at the very beginning. <laughs> Makes a change. Of, of all things to mess up. <laughs> so I loved it. <laughs> your website is be more bond, and there is a hyphen in that. We'll have that also in the show notes.com. And when I think of the word bond, I think of bonbons. So yum. Yes. Eat those. Yeah. Oh, yes. Unfortunately for me, an English comedian did a sketch in which he had some bonbons and he said bon 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 bon. So I, I get that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's see. I'm, and I'm going to look at the watch party and make sure we can get on that also while we're here. Tell me all about your website. You have so much fun. You have a lot on here. You jump in and start telling me and then I'll ask questions if I have them. Yeah, sure. So um, I was an artist till COVID hit last year. Um, but when COVID hit, because I have a rare bone disease, um, so I'm on immunosuppressants, obviously um, it's not a good idea for me to be out and about. 
Um, so I used to do classes for kids and stuff like that. So that all had to come to an end. And I was kind of left thinking, what should I do next? Um, and I'd already started my journey, which we'll probably talk about later. But, um, you know, fitness was something that I'm very big on. So it made sense after a conversation with a couple of people to actually retrain um, as a coach in fitness. So in weightlifting um, and strength and conditioning. Um, and it kind of went from there, really. So the website shows, you know, I train people of different abilities. Um, I'm very much focused on people who maybe feel they don't fit the current fitness industry um, image that they're being looked for. You know, I personally was a big person and I didn't fit that ideal, um, but fitness should be for everyone. So yeah, that's what I do. I coach people, um, do various different programs with them. And it's, it's, it's more than just exercise and eating. It's about the mindset behind maintaining those changes for the rest of your life. So that in 20, 30, 40 years, we are the fittest, you know, version of ourselves that we can be at that age. Yeah, no kidding. Holy cow. Yeah. Isn't that important? It is so important. I want to be really badly behaved when I'm 90. And in order <laughs> to do that, I need to be fit. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I love it. I love what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> so on that, you have, so you do coaching, you do the fitness coaching. Yeah. 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 And uh, you talk a little bit about your journey, which we'll get into, but yeah. Tell me about, well, first, I think the most fun is the Be More Bond. Yes. Can so I wasn't, yeah, we can. I wasn't going to call it that. I was just going to call it Be More. Um, but there's a chap in the British fit fitness industry um, called Jamie Alderton. And um, I was lucky enough to spend some time with him talking about what I should do with my business. And he said, no, 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 no. It's, it's Be More Bond um, because the essence of it is how I've overcome stuff. Um, you know, and how I now look at fitness and health and all the rest of it. And, you know, other people, someone had said to me on my fitness journey, I wish I could be more Bon. Um, so it kind of came from there. And that's where it sat, really. It's, you know, who doesn't want to be a middle aged woman who has far too many dogs and does silly stuff all the time? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, now you have to tell me how many dogs you have. I have five. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not as bad as you with children, you know. <laughs> I haven't quite reached that yet. <laughs> it, would have, it would have been children. It would have been children. But, the, you know, the powers that be had other plans for me as a human. And I'm quite OK with that. Um, so it's dogs instead. So I do have five um, is the current number of dogs, shall we say. The current number. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. You have a lot of things that help people if they are, aren't ready for coaching you have yes. the calorie yes. counter fitness app planner go into that yes yeah, so um the fitness app i've been lucky that we could rebrand something that was already out there which allows people to track like their steps and what they're doing each day um because sometimes we're not ready to have someone coach us we just need to get our head around little bits um, and the calorie calculator allows people to go on independently and kind of look at what they need to be eating in order to fuel their body each day. So, you know, they know what they're burning and they have more awareness around that. Um, and then I have a planner, which I um, I'm a really organized person. I always mm -hmm. like I'm one of them tidy house, tidy mind kind of people. 
Um, I'm very much about writing stuff down because then I know I'm gonna gonna do it because I'm gonna want to tick it off. So I developed a planner um, which people can buy as well from there, and it just helps them with setting goals each month, but, but also reflecting on the good stuff each day because oh, um, that's something that's so important. Is just you know that gratitude and just recognizing that even in a bad day there will have been one good thing. So the planner kind of is built around that and allows them just to do it under their own steam because not everybody is at that point. Yeah, no kidding. And, uh, you know, I know with the goal setting calendar and the positive affirmations, if if it's just making your bed, it's one good thing a day that you need to write down, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. and we've become boring. surrounded by a fitness industry that is telling people you must do 10,000 steps a day. You must do this. You must do this. And actually, that's not realistic for everyone. You know, if you're someone who right now all you can manage is 3000 steps a day, that's perfectly OK. Like, you know, just make small improvements because we all have to start somewhere. So I really wanted people to, to understand that they are individuals and that every single journey is individual and it starts with them. So, yeah. yeah, it is very individual. I'm really glad that you brought that up because we are so different and unique. And so it, yeah. what looks one way for you isn't going to look the same. You know, that's one thing I'm while we're talking about fitness and calorie counters and all of that stuff. So I've, I've tracked my food off and on. I did fitness competitions, you know, so regardless of whether you're losing weight or some people are gaining weight or it's a, I have had guests that have had eating disorders. There's lots of reasons why we track our food. Right. And it tends yeah. to set you automatically at, Oh, you're a woman, you need 1200 calories, which yeah. Yeah. is not right at all. A lot of the time no, no. it is super individual. So I just turned 50 in 2020. And a big thing for me was like, I only want to work. I, I want somebody to understand that I'm 50 now. Yeah. 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 Because our bodies can do no matter how fit we are, as we age, our bodies will be able to do less or they might need to do things differently and they might burn off calories differently. You know, we might not be burning as much. So we've got to be able to be able to, you know, put our information into something that tells us, okay, this is what's right for a 50-year-old woman who exercises X number of times a week and general activity level is X and, you know, this is what it should be like. Not just, you're a woman, eat this and you'll be fine because none of us are the same. Really not at all. Um, right. And it is having that flexibility, you know, to do that with people because, like you say, we're all individuals. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, I'm going to take, I want to take just a second. If you go into your watch party. Yep. Have you done it yet? Have you been able to come? No, not yet. yet. I've no, figured no. it out. So go on, tell me what to do. Okay, because <laughs> I don't mind. We're live. People, people can see us in the struggle. So they go can. do your post, click the little dots, go to watch party, go to live, and then type yep. in the naked. Yep. And it should pop up. The naked podcaster should pop up. Well, I've got naked prints at the top. Oh, wow, wow. I <laughs> we might switch our watch party right now. Uh, right, where are we? Oh, there's loads come up. Oh, okay. Well, maybe because it was me. Right, um, naked podcaster. I want to get this figured out so we can be streaming. Yeah. It, you know, we need a watch Definitely. party. Um, maybe if I put in NGBN. I did that for me. That didn't work, but it might work for you. I because there's so there have been so many lives through them. 
now yeah, I'm big on this. Hang on a second. You've tagged me in a post. Maybe if I go to there, I might be able to get it from there. I was able to do it through just searching the Naked Podcaster. That's that's um and i'm gonna put up the my watch party and i'll also put up um ngbn as well and then let's see we should be able to see comments all right people are here hello helen hello zeus thank you for being here see that oh, i know zeus i know zeus okay and then helen short <laughs> karen lomax yes yes, yes i know thanks. all of them okay so i'm i'm getting used to this whole doing the live and watching people so i may not be awesome at watching people's suggestions but uh or or comments but i am working on it okay yeah I thought that that was a good place to uh, stop and try to figure out the watch party situation, but it I did have to search the Naked Podcaster in order to find it. Let me have a look. Let me, I don't know why it's doing it. Let me get on my other Facebook page. And if we can't, then we have it in two places at least. If I can't get it in the watch party on mine, I'll just share it from your page onto mine. Absolutely. You can jump on mine right now and do that. And then I just have a link up so I can check um I can check people's comments every once in a while. Yeah, it is not letting me do it there. So I'm gonna share this. You know what? Go on to NGBN TV. Can you find it? I'm going to tag you in it. How's that? That's a good idea. Okay, I just tagged you on MGBNs. So if you go there and you can share it from them directly. I don't know how it works sharing it from my watch party. Uh -huh, I can I have see it. No, I couldn't. Oh, no, I could have. I could have done it, but that's okay. Now that you have it, you can share it to yours, I believe. I can and then we can I actually can. chat and have an interview. Well, yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> IT, the joys of IT here. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, but this is so fun. I'm excited we get to do it like this. All right, share to a page. Here we go. I'm going to share it to my page. I know every time I do this, it gets easier. So that's a win in my mind. There we go. I've shared it to my page. Um, and I can see the comments on my screen. Perfect. So we're there. I can see Karen, yeah. Helen, Bruce, Laura. Hi guys. Hello. And they're on the NGBN. I can keep track of that one if you want to have your page with the watch party up so you can track comments on yours. I want to have great interviews and still have interaction. And sorry about the IT. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> what I've done is I've just shared it to my page as a live video and I'll let you keep an eye on the comments and then I, I will can be interacting with you as yes, much yes. Deal, it? yes. All right. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So this is super fun. Um, you were talking about how everyone is different. You have the calorie counter, you have the fitness app, you have the planner. I, I love the planner because my brain works that way. So I find that super exciting. And then you have a shop. Tell us a little bit about that. So um, I love bright colors and obviously being an artist and things like that. And um, so I created the shop which has t-shirts and all of those kind of hoodies, that kind of thing. Um, in it with designs that I've done myself. 
um, so people can go in there and they can wear the brand as well so they can be part of that community and feel connected because we all have that same, you know, the same colours going on and just feel comfortable. And it's all ecological and ethically done. So the clothes that people buy can actually be sent back to the company that produced them at the end of their life and recycled. So it's quite amazing. Yeah, it's quite clever how they've done it all. And even the the packaging that it comes in is all all recyclable paper, but it has a print on the outside that children can colour in and you can use it as wrapping paper as well. So it's all really, really nicely done. Holy cow. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Really incredible. So I'm on the shop. Of course, like you're my guest, so I have already cyber stalked you and tried to connect <laughs> everywhere that I can, but I haven't ordered yet. That Okay, so that's the website and that's how people can find you, connect with you. You have Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, yeah, Twitter, yeah. link there. Everything's there. They can order stuff. Let's go back in time. Shall we? Let's do it. Let's do it. I love a time machine. I love me a time machine. Yeah, and where do we want to go back to? I don't know. You can go back. Where did things start for you? Have you always lived in the UK? Yes, Uh, I have always lived in the UK. But I guess my kind of story that is the background of what becomes Be More Bond sort of started when I was about five years old. So up to the age of five, I'd had a fairly normal life. Um, my birth father did have some mental health issues, um, which as an adult, I'm now aware were going on at the time, not so much. Um, and uh, unfortunately, well, I say unfortunately, um, it, I see it as kind of fortunate in a way because what I experienced as a child um, shaped who I am as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I now at 42 can sit and say, I actually like myself. Um, I like who I've become, um, and I'm quite proud of where I am now. Um, so, And if I hadn't experienced those things, I might not be where I am now. So as much as I could see them as a really negative thing, I don't. Um, so my parents joined what essentially I learned in later life was a cult. We don't have many of those in the UK. Um, it's not something you hear of very often. So the very easy way of putting it is my childhood was very strict. It was very controlled. Um, I didn't know a lot about the the real world as such. Um, And discipline was very heavy. Um, You know, it was quite tough at times and we went through some pretty tough stuff. Um, But I left that at 18. Um, Me and my brother kept arguing. So one of us had to go and I was the older of the two. So off I went. And that was when I discovered the real world. Um, And I was very fortunate in that within two weeks of leaving all of that and being landed in a a town that I'd never, I'd been to once in my whole life, um, I actually met my husband. So, um, (laughs) which is quite quite a a good thing to happen. Um, And from there, I've been in a relationship with him, it'll be 25 years this year. Wow. Um, And yeah. (laughs) Congratulations. That's remarkable. It's, um, it's hard work sometimes, but I think yeah. that relationships are, and I think that's just part of it. You know, you do have really tough times as well as the good times. Um, unbeknown to me, he, so I should have known when he asked me out. So I'll give you the chat up line and you see if you can tell me what his diagnosis in later life has been. Okay. He, he said to me, um, none of my friends wanted to go out tonight. So my mum said I should ring you up and ask you out instead. Um. <laughs> Such a good job. <laughs> I mean, I do know his diagnosis, and I have a son with the same diagnosis. So I, yeah, yeah. So go, just 
Yeah, so it's autism. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, I think I always kind of knew. And, I mean, what was really, um, you know, good about that in a way is that he put up with a lot of stuff um, as I explored the real world and came to terms with what the real world was that other people just would not have endured um, because he sees the world slightly differently. So he put up with an awful lot um, because it was a big adjustment. You know, I'd been in this... this um, I don't like to use the word church to it because that's, that's what it was called, but it isn't to me. Church is something completely different. Church is something that is wholesome and good and not a bad thing, and this was not that. Um, you know, so it was adjusting to real life outside of that. Um, so I did struggle. Um, you know, I, I'd grown up thinking that all the things I experienced were very normal and that that was what everybody else sort of went through. So I thought that, you know, parents were violent towards their children. Um, I thought that everybody's family had a man who came and told them what to do. Um, you know, I thought that nobody had the freedom to choose what education they wanted or, you know, what they wanted to do with their later life. Um, so learning all of that at sort of 18 and a, and a half was quite a journey in itself. Um, and my mental health did suffer. Um, and, you know, by the age of 21, I really had hit rock bottom. Um, I was, I didn't at that point understand that it wasn't my fault still, I don't think. So I very much was blaming myself and not understanding that actually I was okay and it wasn't me. Um, so I did, you know, my mental health suffered massively and I did become suicidal. Um, and on one occasion, it, uh, I still to this day don't, well, I don't know how I'm here because I shouldn't be because I should have been very successful, but somehow the timing was slightly off um, and I collapsed and fortunately was found. And that's why I'm here now, because if I hadn't been found, I wouldn't be here now. Um, and it was a really dark moment, but in the same time, there was a lot of light to that moment because when I came round and my now husband was pacing up and down the hospital room, so angry at me, mm. it hit home what love was. And I understood that as a human, I was actually needed or wanted on this planet for the right reasons. Um, and so from that point forth, even though there are times in life where I have struggled and where I would definitely say I have had felt suicidal, I would never, ever act on it because I understand the impact of that now, whereas I didn't at that point. At that point, I believed that the world was better without me, um, you know, and that everyone was better off without me. And that was, that was yeah, that was quite a dark moment. Um, but here I am. I'm still here. Yay. Thank goodness. <laughs> so I want I want to go back a little bit in because I understand the um, being in a cult and not understanding how the rest of the world. It's a really stark difference between how you were raised and how the rest of the world functions. Can you yes, give yeah. me a couple? Oh, I mean, you gave me a couple examples. Can you go into that a little bit more and and why that impacted your mental health so much? Yeah, sure. So um, one of the things that they did within that situation was they very much determined who you were as a human. They were telling you, you are this. This is your temperament. This is who you are. This is why you behave this way. And if you dared to question that at all, you were told you were very wrong, you were punished. So you end up believing you are this particular person. So I was told I was this um, sort of out, 
outgoing, out of control person who just, you know, was so superficial and all the rest of it. And I'm sure if any of my friends are watching, they'll be like, hang on a minute, she's, you know, or I'm a little bit nuts, so I'm not going to lie, you know, I quite happily, I turned up to a business Zoom call a few weeks ago dressed as the Grinch, but that's a good kind of nuts. <laughs> But I was being told that, you know, you, you don't know that you just, you can't function in life because you're not real. And, and that's, you know, when you're told that, you doubt yourself constantly. Um, but I mean, there were instances where I don't even remember what I had done wrong as a child, but the punishment was very physical, um, very violent. And so you you just end up becoming a shell of, of whoever you should have been. Um, and you don't know who you are anymore because you're being told constantly this is who you are. And even though your brain is doubting that and saying, I'm pretty certain that's not who I am, you, you have to go with it because that, that's how you stay safe. So you kind of grow up just learning how to make yourself safe, um, which becomes a really dangerous thing because you do, you just entirely lose yourself. And I would say it took me until I was probably 37 before I really knew who I was. And, you know, that's almost 20 years later, still discovering who I was, um, because you do, you just become what you think you should be, and then you don't know how to find who you are anymore because you've been told all this time. So it was, yeah, it was very, very different. I mean, I, I knew I wanted to be a vet when I was younger. I adore animals, as you can tell from the five dogs. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of bad because girls don't be vets, you know, of course they don't. Um, and then from there, I really enjoy music and being creative. I wanted to be an artist or a musician. And again, um, you know, that was stuff I just wasn't allowed to do. And I didn't pick up a paintbrush from the age of about 14 until I was 37, when I was so messed up and going through PTSD and understanding the damage it had done. And someone said to me, have you ever thought of picking up a paintbrush and just painting your feelings? Wow. And that was a huge moment because actually I can paint and, and I'm not a terrible artist. I mean, I say artist subjective. Everybody can be an artist because there will always be someone out there who will like what you do, even if you don't yourself. Um, but it was just, you know, those moments where you're taught. So I, my goal, well, not my goal, the goal that was set for me was that I was going to do my A-levels, which is what we do over here before we go off to university. Um, and I was going to become a teacher. Now, I, in my entire adult life, have never had any real inclination to be a teacher. It's not a career I would ever have chosen. I don't know about teacher. I'm too badly behaved. But just the way that you're told to do these things and that that's what you should be doing. And, you know, from there, I then had to go through the battle of, well, I'd been raised that I was just going to be a mother. That was then, once I'd, you know, that was then going to be my goal. Um, and you can only be a mother if you give birth, which um, I can tell them categorically that is so not true because I've been a mother to children that I did not give birth to and I've given them a home and shown them love and a family and that didn't, I didn't need to give birth to them to do that. So there was lots that was ingrained in me as a child, um, you know, from that fear of violence that then I carried on into adulthood and had to unpick. Um, yeah. I think it's hard for us to figure out what we want to be when we grow up and we're, you know, you're 18. 
right around there and you get sent to university and like, what do you want to be? They start asking the kids here in the last couple of years of school, how they have yeah. no life experience. They've never been anywhere. So coming yeah. from a really good place and a good home and a solid background, kid, you don't have an idea. We still don't know. No, no. You still don't know. And I don't think we, I think this is something we need to start saying to young people is it's okay to not know. It's yeah. actually okay to just go and get a job until you think about what it is what you want to do, because we're we're forcing them into career paths that then in in their later twenties into their thirties they're unhappy in, and then they don't feel they can get out of it because now I'm in my thirties and it's too late and it's never too late. Like that is my biggest thing is that when I hit my twenties and the world fell apart, I thought it was too late already. And here I am at 42 saying it is never, ever too late. Right on. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think people go through this. So I need to reinvent myself. And I don't think we reinvent ourselves. I think we are constantly pivoting and involving who we are. And if that means going back to college, if that means doing a different career, it's not, you don't have to have this big life changing two by four to the head of reinvention to go a different way. A lot of it is that in life, we're not even exposed to certain things. And then coming from your background, where you were essentially brainwashed for your entire childhood um, until you were an adult. Like how in the world are you going to be able to figure out what you want to do? So I imagine, and with suicide attempts, um, it's just wanting to escape, right? Escape the situation. Yeah, it's just believing that that is the only way out and that for everybody who is around you, it would be so much easier if you just weren't there. And it's, you know, it's nothing anybody else has said or done. It is just that need, just to, it's the need to stop feeling the way you do. And you think that's the only solution. Literally in that moment, that is all you're thinking about is I don't want to feel like this anymore. And you can't see that there's any other way. But I know now, and I would say to anyone who is feeling suicidal now, it, it will stop. And actually the best thing you can do is go and tell someone you feel like that because they they will react in a way you won't expect and it will be a good way and you will find your way back out again. And that's, you know, that's the most important thing anybody can do in that situation. I think for the people on the other side of it, asking the question too, like, you know, Bonham worried about you. Have you ever considered suicide? Because yeah. I think we, we don't know how to ask and what to say and, and are we going to make it worse? And no, you just ask the question. You just say yeah. If someone said to me at that time, do you feel like the only way to fix this is to die? I would have straight away gone, yes, because they would have been asking a question that no one was asking and I needed the answer to. Mm-hmm. And it would have just opened everything up. And I think... We've come away as a society. We do now talk about suicide much more openly, but we've still got a long way to go for people to be able to have that conversation, for sure. You had already met your now husband that you've been with 25 years, which I'm still so excited about. That's (laughs) so great. (laughs) And he was a little pissed that you had a suicide attempt, and thank goodness. Oh, so angry. Yeah, so, so angry. Now that I've interrupted you and gone back and asked all these questions, keep going with your story because you're still integrating into the real world. You are having a relationship that you want to be a quote normal relationship. We know that that looks different for everyone, but it didn't look like you were how you were raised. And then, um, yeah, you guys got married. Keep going. Yeah, so um, just to put it into perspective, so I didn't watch things like ET until I was 21. 
Um, I've never seen them. All the music I know about, all popular music I learned about as an adult. So, like, but it was so scary at that time because I'd be in social situations and I'd be like, if I don't know the words to that song, they're all going to think I'm a bit weird. And I hid it for so many years. And now I quite proudly say, you know what, everything I know about that, I learned as a grown-up. You know, it's quite a, so yeah. So we yeah, so we went through some tough times together, me and Jake. Um and he put up with a lot. Um, but we then got married. Um once we got married, obviously we were trying to have a family. And very early on we became aware that I had polycystic ovaries. Um at the time we weren't aware, but we also now know that I have an autoimmune condition. So it was never gonna be an easy path. We had quite a lot of fertility treatment, but I'm very much someone who I believe we get shown a different way sometimes. And I just felt that we were being shown a different way. Um, and for me, having children would have been amazing um, because I think Jake's amazing. So to see him in, in a child would have been fantastic, but it wasn't the end of the world. And from my own experiences, I know there are a lot of children in the world who need um, someone to show them the love of a parent. Um, who don't have parents that they can rely on. So we actually chose to foster instead. Um, our first placement was a pregnant teenager, and that was a baptism of fire. Um, oh, my God. A... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy cow, that really is. That was um, quite fun, um, very challenging, um, but we had, you know, we had a great time with her, really. Um, she bonded with us. She was part of... You know, she was part of our family. Um, sadly, she died uh, seven years ago. She never made peace with her childhood, and I, I understand that. Um, so we did um, eventually lose her as an adult. Um, but we then went on to foster other children over the years. Um, so we had a break in the middle. Um, I had an accident in 2009 where I burnt my face, neck and airways with an industrial steamer. Um, it was... I worked in a restaurant as a training manager and um, it was a bank holiday and the kitchen staff were all either sick or somewhere else and I had to step in and cook a steam sea bass and um, the industrial steamer um, malfunctioned and I just had a, a cloud of steam to the face um, and ended up in hospital and was quite poorly. And after that was when I started having physical issues so I struggled to walk, I kept getting anaphylactic shock. Um, and no one could really understand what was going on. Um, and I was very lucky to have a very good consultant who wanted to unpick it bit by bit because he said, this isn't a specific thing. We need to figure it out. And at the time, he felt my immune system was attacking my body from the trauma of the accident. Um, and so by the time things got to the worst point, um, I was hospitalised for quite a considerable period of time. Um, and by the time I came home, I was um, then sort of permanently in a wheelchair and we had a hospital bed at home um, and I had someone come and give me care each day. Um, I was very clear that I didn't want Jake to do my personal care because he was my husband and I felt there was a, that there needed to be a, a line drawn there. Um, and yeah, so that was going to be the rest of my life was going to be this wheelchair and kind of managing the symptoms till we figured out what was going on. Um, I didn't like that wheelchair very much <laughs> um, at all. And so I asked if I could have a frame as well. Um, and at every appointment, I would say to my consultant, when will I walk again? And he'd just say, not, 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 not now. <laughs> he just, you know, he didn't know what to say. Um, 
And my goal in my head was that I would run a marathon, um, even though I was in a wheelchair and not walking. And so... Um, I love that. So I, I love that, uh, by the way. You've got to have goals in life, haven't you? You yes. just not that's, have goals. That's excellent. That's an excellent goal. Good for you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I spent, I think it was almost five years in the wheelchair in the end. Um, and in wow. the last year, it was, you know, we were kind of, we went, I had an appointment uh, later in the year and we knew we were going to be discussing like ways to make the pain less, ways to make them more comfortable. And I got to the appointment and they'd done a scan previously and I knew at that point that they had an inkling that it could be like a slow-growing bone cancer or something similar and they were just really hunting for what it was that was doing this. And um, because my blood tests and things like that were showing that I was really poorly but nobody could pin down what it was that was going on. And my previous scans had lit up like a Christmas tree and they were just like, we just have to manage this. So I remember going into the consultant's office and he pulled up this scan on the screen. And I remember looking at it and going, that looks quite healthy, that one, that's a bit mean. Like, why are you showing me a fairly healthy scan? And he just looked at me and he said, I don't know. Well, he said, I don't know, but actually I do know. It's because you're so stubborn. He said, but this is your scan. And we have no medical explanation for this, but you are improving. Um, we can't say you're going to walk or all the rest of it, but things are getting better. Um, so about four months later, I took my first steps. Um, and then uh, six months after that appointment, I ran my first 10K. Oh my um, god! <laughs> I don't like to, I don't like to do things by halves. So that kind of yeah. So that was where I was at. So it hurt, and I had to walk some of it. And I remember running around one part of that ten k, and um, one of my friends shouted from the crowd, "How's it going?" And I remember shouting back, "I can't feel both my legs, but it's far." <laughs> and just just keeping going. Um, so I did that, and I got the bug for running. Then I was like, okay, if they say you can't walk, you're going to run. So we just did, you know, races here and there. Um, and I did have to have a, a spinal surgery in the end. Um, my neck wasn't right. Um, but 12 weeks after I did the spinal surgery, I then did my first Tough mother. I did the, the shorter version. Yeah, um, yeah. I was like, you know, if, if we're going to run, then why not jump over stuff as well? <laughs> I'm a runner. Yes, they're awful. Yes, but so fun. So, yes. They I, are. I when you're there, it's like the worst. But when you get to the end, you're like, yes, I just did that. And it just feels amazing. Yeah. Um, and I would come last. Every race I did, I would come last because I was slow. But I didn't care. It was no. just that I was doing it. You know, someone said, you won't do this. And I was doing it. And that's the thing. So that was all going fine. Um, and then we went back to fostering again because obviously I was, I was more well and we were able to do stuff and we had a couple of difficult placements and then we got a placement of this lovely little three-year-old who was absolutely amazing and mum and dad were actually so so lovely and I still my heart hurts for them still now they had learning disabilities so it wasn't that they didn't love their children it was just that they weren't well placed to take care of them long term and we, he had a baby sister who'd just been born um, and it got to the point where we were offered to adopt these two and we were like well we hadn't planned for that but actually do you know what sometimes things are just right um, so we went through all the court processes and on the very in the in the last month beforehand it had got quite difficult because the social worker had decided that I was too fat um, and at that point I was 23 stone so that's 322 pounds um, so I was heavy, you know, I was a heavy person. 
Um, but she had taken a real dislike to that and she felt that that was a really bad thing. Um, and she was telling me I was going to have to join Slimming World if I was going to be good enough. And, you know, she didn't think I'd ever be allowed to adopt. And she was very mean. But you just, you take it on the chin and you just go, do you know what? That's your opinion. We'll wait and see what the court says. Um, and unfortunately, she got her opinion across good and proper. And at the final court date, they said that because I was very heavy um, and because my husband has Asperger's, we weren't fit to adopt. Um, but they then immediately asked us if we would continue to foster. And you'll know, like, fostering is actually um, a lot harder than adopting <laughs> yeah. in terms of the long term, um, you know, the investment that you have to give as a human emotionally, physically, you know, it is a lot. Um, so it didn't make any sense. And the court guardian came to us after the case of Children's Court Guardian. And she said, this is just so wrong. You know, they should have been with you. I want you to fight this. So we did try and fight it. But unfortunately, the system wanted to place the children very quickly. And we were very quickly taken out of the equation. And that was the second lowest point of life, I think. At that point, when you're told you're too fat and you're not good enough after all this time. But you were good enough to take all the children nobody else wanted because they were difficult. But you're not good enough to have two sweet, lovely children whose parents you know you can keep them in contact with over time so they can have that bit of their identity. You know, it was it would have been perfect. But it didn't it didn't happen. And that was a really low point. And I really struggled again. Um, and fortunately, I'd been doing some fundraising over the years with my art for a charity we have over here called the Campaign Against Living Miserably, who um, talk about suicide in men. And they support men to talk about their mental health. Um, mm -hmm. And they happened to have a place for the London Marathon that they'd been given. And um, they said, you know, we know it's short notice. There were 13 weeks ago, but um, we, we know what you've just been through. And we really think that this, we'd like to give you this place. So, I spoke to my friend Helen, who happens to be one of our Great Britain marathon runners, and I said to her, do I do this? Because the most I've ever run is 10K, you know, six miles. It's not, you know, that's not 26 miles. 20, yeah, 20 miles. <laughs> that's 20 miles further. <laughs> so she said, just do it, just go for it. And, and the guy who runs the gym that I train at, he said, just do it. Just this, you need this. So they've, they've both said since they knew I may never complete the marathon, but they knew mentally I needed something that was going to take my focus. So the first day the little lad left us and went off to his new home, I went for my first training run. Um, and six weeks later, I ran my first ever half marathon. And I completed Yay! it. <laughs> it took me four hours. <laughs> it was not scared, but I finished it. And that was the big thing. Yeah. Um, but I was still a very big person and unfortunately in mile nine I did get a stress fracture in my tibia and it wasn't a good one and it meant that I couldn't run the London Marathon. However, it had already started the ball rolling on keeping me mentally in that right place to go forward in life and understand that there was nothing I could have done to prevent what happened because sometimes the system is bigger and we can't fight it as much as we'd love to. So it began a really important healing process where actually the end result was that I learned to love myself. Um, so I got in that gym to heal and I was very lucky that I met my coach and I started picking up some weights because I learned, you know, that weightlifting is actually really good for losing weight. 
running's great, but I've never lost weight on running. Um, and, you know, it's something you can do to just clear the head. It's brilliant for clearing the head and for just, you know, cardio fitness. But actually, I needed to lift some weights if I was going to shift the extra person that I was carrying around. And I picked up the, the barbell for the first time, and he said to me, have you ever lifted before? And I said, no. Do I look like a person who goes to the gym? No, I do not. <laughs> um, and he just said, uh, you, sh- you shouldn't be this strong. And I was like, well, I have been carrying around an extra person for the last 20 years. So, like, it's not, you know, without reason that I am this strong. So he really encouraged me to think about, you know, weightlifting and what I was doing with it. Um, and then unbeknown to me, three miles down the road at that point in time, lived the, uh, who was at that time the world's strongest woman. Oh, wow. And she, and she was giving a talk locally, and I went and I met her, and I'm now lucky enough to call her my friend. And she said, yeah, go for it, train, and you will just... So that kind of started my fitness journey. And before that, I had done every diet under the sun. I had denied myself food. I had You name a diet, I had done it. And I had quit after two, four, six weeks because I was so miserable. And for the first time in my life, I understood that I needed to calculate the calories that I was, you know, getting into my body. So I was in a deficit, so I would lose some fat. And I needed to exercise, not to lose weight, but actually just to feel good in myself. Right. Um, And I needed to stop pinning what I wanted on a goal at the end. I didn't need to be... 10 stone you know like 140 pounds or I didn't need to be those things I just needed to look after myself and be proud of myself for that and the rest would fall into place so we're coming up to two years in next month um, and I have consistently lost weight ever since that day Um, I've now lost it's at last count it was 125 pounds wow um and yeah and I've competed in strong woman um, and I will continue to do that when COVID has gone away. Um, but yeah, so last year when I, you know, when I was stuck at home, I then started to think a lot about what I had been doing. And what is so lovely is that by qualifying in coaching people, I now get to be foster mum to lots of fitness children. <laughs> so it's like the universe just made me go full circle and everything just fell into place. And I can honestly say I'm home. Like I just in in the world, and I feel a bit emotional saying it. And they all make me emotional when they're doing really well. But I have I've come home, and I'm just where I should be. And that for someone who started out as I started out in the world, that's quite huge. And I, I think that <laughs> I think finding who you are and your place and your tribe and what you want to do and what lights you up inside is enormous for anyone, but especially coming from where you came from yeah. I mean yeah I'm so proud of you thank you I'm so proud of you tell thank me about you. the weightlifting and strength competitions oh so very a little bit what you talk about I know everybody says that I get so excited I've actually only been able to compete in one I was due to compete in one last year as well but obviously with COVID that got postponed but um, so in the strong women, you do events like you do the deadlift, um, but you also do the the log overhead, and you do things like flipping tires and pulling sleds with heavy weights on, and you do the yoke, and I just like I just feel so amazing because I can just pick up these massive things. I go in the gym and the boys are like, 
oh, here she is again. And it's just, you know, it's just a great feeling to be able to do. And as a woman whose body couldn't do some of what it should do, it's amazing to walk into a gym and do what other people can't. Like, to be able to go in there and go, well, I'm just going to do my deadlift. And people go, oh, how much do you deadlift? I'm like, oh, 140 kilos. And they're like, sorry, what? And it's just, <laughs> it's just that moment of, I can do that. I can do that. Um, yeah, I love it. There's nothing like it. I, I completely resonate with, you know, your body not doing what it was designed to do, but yeah. it can do yeah. all of these things. I so resonate with that. That's a beautiful thing. Actually, I think that's something I want to make sure we point out for people listening is that it doesn't always, it shouldn't fit in the box. It's okay if it doesn't fit in the box, you know? Yeah, and this is what kind of where I came full circle. So even though I lost the weight, I continued to have some of the issues I'd had with my body before. Um, and it took me back to my consultant. And when I went to see him, he was actually grinning. And I was thinking, you're a very strange person if you're happy to see me. But what it was, was they had finally discovered a new disease that was the disease that I have. So he was excited because he could finally say, we know what it is and we know how we're going to treat this. So I feel even more, um, you know, powerful when I do that because I have bones that are a mess and, and cause me pain and cause me issues, but I can still walk in there. I can't open a cardboard box some days, but I can lift 140 kilos. And it is for people who are out there struggling physically, you know, getting yourself into a place where you can even just do a little bit each day, you will feel so much better in yourself because you might not be able to put your own socks on, but you might also be able to deadlift a heavy weight and that's okay. And that's amazing because those moments where you feel powerful will help your mindset and help you mentally to stay stronger as well. And you will fight, ah. you know, and that that's what's important in life is not giving up keep fighting regardless i love it and and just think out of the box about yourself we're none of us i don't know where the box even came from we need to throw that box out we do we so badly do that's a terrible I hate box. The box. I, hate, I say like i feel like my husband was really lucky to grow up knowing not knowing he had autism because to everyone he's just jake Autism means he has some awesome qualities, but because he didn't grow up knowing that, he just it's just him. And amazing, because he's never put himself in that box. And so they are just his characteristics, and he's not ever said, you know, he, I mean, he's, to me, he's an inspiration, because when he was first diagnosed, the consultant wouldn't give him a diagnosis till he actually took his wife back, because they couldn't believe he had one, because he scores so highly. <laughs> They couldn't understand how he could actually maintain a relationship. And he is, he's a pain in the rear end, but he's amazing. And, you know, he has a fantastic job in computers and he knows how they work and, you know, and he's just quite something. Um, and he may not have been that if he'd been given a label and put in a box and told all his life, this is who you are. And it's just fantastic to see what happens when you don't. So to those people out there who think they're in the box because maybe they are carrying extra body fat, that doesn't make them. I, one thing I've done it myself is when people say, I am fat. You're not fat. You have fat. Um, and you can do something about that. 
and you can, you know, you can carry extra weight but be fitter. You know, it's just all about valuing yourself enough to know that I'm going to do the best for me. And so you may not fit what you think is what the fitness industry are looking for, but there are, are actually those of us out there now who want to work with people because it isn't just about what you physically look like, it's about how you feel. And that's like the most important thing. We don't know what people have going on. Like I wouldn't look at you and know anything about your history that you were in a wheelchair for five years and that, so you didn't get out of the wheelchair until like 2014. Uh, yeah, 2015. Was 15. My, um, I mean, like, that's crazy, right? So yeah. if we met somewhere, I wouldn't know that about you. You, you just, we just don't have any idea what's going on behind the scenes or that you've already lost a hundred, you lost 125 pounds and you can out deadlift most men. So most that I know, <laughs> I mean, most, yeah. Yeah. Most of them. <laughs> I can now deadlift my husband. That's the important one. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I also love, I mean, I have a son who's autistic who was diagnosed when he was around five and I tried really hard not to treat him differently, although he acted differently. So yes, yes. there are some things that I definitely had to gauge. I'm glad that I knew so that I could gauge them differently. But if he wants a relationship, it's, it's like anyone else. He has to find somebody. I always say we just have to find like a good mate for our baggage. Like your baggage matches my baggage type thing. Because all of us are, are a mess in one way or another. Um, and with autism, he knows what his mess is better than most people. Yes, yeah, autism. oh, definitely. That is their awareness of that is quite. And it's, yeah. I always, like, people are so, particularly, like, in our, 40, in our 30s and 40s, people are like, well, everyone seems to have it together. And I'm like, the secret is no one does. It's no. just we're all quite capable of making it look like we have on the outside. But actually, everyone is treading water behind the scenes and trying to figure stuff out. And it's okay, and it's actually really all right, because that's life. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know who we're going to be 10 years from now. And, and all right. we need to do is work on the best version of who we are right now. I love it. We're, you know, there's so many high moments. I know we've talked about suicide and weight and and being in a wheelchair and things that are really horrible, but I think we've had so many high notes, because I like to start and end on a high note. But what I want to wrap up with is back to... Um, bemorebon.com yes. and how people can find you, who your ideal client is. And I'd love you to touch base on if there are a couple things that come up on a very regular basis, like the most common issues people come to you with, I would love to talk about that. You can start wherever you want. Yeah. But so, yeah, certainly. So people can find me Facebook, Instagram, like you said, pretty much everywhere with Be More Bond. Um, my ideal clients are people who feel lost. They feel like the fitness industry doesn't fit them. They need that bit more support. They need someone who they can turn to and say, Do you know, what? I had a really bad day today and tell me why. And I can say to them, that's actually OK. Here's how tomorrow could be better. You know, it's the people who need that bit more and who've been struggling and just feel a bit lost. Because it's not just me now. It's the community of people that already are being more bond. They're all, they make me cry regularly. And I was never a crier. But the way they support each other, you know, if you're looking for a fitness community that is really supportive, where you don't feel like you stand out like a sore thumb, you actually just want to feel like you're at home, then that's, that's who it's for, really. So people can work with me. Um, I do 
So five times a year, I do a six-week program. Mm -hmm. The next one of those is coming up at the end of January. Um, and people can work with me for a block of six weeks in a group. Um, you know, everything's online because in the world we're in, that makes it a lot easier. So all your workouts are in the app. You can ask me any questions, you know, and it's all tailored. If you have particular physical issues, you just let me know and we can work around them. You know, it really is about each and every individual. Um, and then the main thing that I do is I do have a monthly subscription um, where people sign up for the year and they pay monthly because, again, the world we're in means we have to make it affordable for people. But they can do the six-week programs whenever they feel like it. So if they're working month by month, but every now and again they want to step it up a bit because you and I know from, from, from running, from weightlifting, sometimes we need an extra little goal and a bit of a, a time of you know pushing ourselves a bit harder and then we need to slow it down again. So it's kind of working around all of those things that are real life, really, and just kind of fitting it in and just making it accessible to people who feel they probably don't fit what most fitness things are. Um, there is no, you know, I'm not looking for people who want to be the slimmest or what. It's just people who just want to be better and just mm -hmm. want to work on themselves and just, yeah. I think I, you've said a couple times that people who feel like they don't fit in, and that's probably what comes up for you the most common, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that definitely would be um, feeling you don't fit in or feeling you're not understood by the fitness industry because I think a lot of people feel that many people who train in the fitness industry, not all because I know some fantastic trainers who do understand, but a lot may not understand what it is to have to fight each day and to push or to have been overweight and try and find your way back from that because it is more than just eating less and moving more. It's the mindset behind it and how you get yourself to stick it up for the long term. And that's what I really work on with people is that long-term sustainability of those habits, really. Bon, I'm so happy you were on today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. Uh, now I'm, that our... I'm, I'm devastated the watermelons wouldn't sit where they were supposed to for the whole thing, but they have been here with me. That's okay. I've, you know, my, my, um, the person that I adore, one of the people I adore the most, you know, from NGBN TV, uh, Nicole, who runs the whole back end of this, I flashed her earlier. I mean, <laughs> things don't always go to plan, you know, but exactly. thank you. Thank you for showing up and for being thank you. For you. Thank you so much. I, I love it. I appreciate you so much. No, thank you. for. It's been really lovely to spend time with you. Oh, you guys are noisy there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're good. Woo! We're really like, you are loud. Yay. <laughs>